Hello and welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak to a friend of the show, Kathy Roddy, about smartphone photography and how this can be used to great effect to take compelling photographs for visual storytelling. We talk about the power of visual storytelling, its accessibility, and how social media is helping to drive this. In the age we live in, use of photos and images to tell the stories that charities need to tell in order to cut through the cacophony of marketing noise is absolutely vital. So have a listen to Kathy Roddy speaking to me about the power of visual storytelling and how to improve yours. Here we go. So, okay, so we're rolling. We're here in uh, London Cafe, very busy, very noisy cafe, uh, with friend of the show, Kathy Roddy. Kathy, thanks for coming back. Hi, thank Great you for inviting you me once again. <laughs> Pleasure. And uh, so we've talked a lot in the past, you and I, about fundraising, investment in fundraising, um, and uh, and we focused on that. But but in this episode, we're talking about something quite different. We're talking about smartphone photography and visual storytelling specifically. Um, it's a right. new course that you're setting up. That's right, absolutely. Well, it's myself and uh, the great Howard Lake who will be developing this course. Um, I've developed a, a course on, as you say, on smartphone photography, and Howard has developed his own course called Graphic Traffic. Uh, brilliant title. Lovely. Um, and we've come together to put this course uh, course on. So, as, as you'll know, I've been in fundraising for about 20 years, and for the last three years, I've developed an interest in photography. Um, and Surprisingly, I started entering competitions and so on, and, and I started winning lots of prizes, oh, congratulations. <laughs> which was rather strange. And it's a great—it's become a great passion of mine. And I started to think of ways in which I might be able to combine my fundraising and training expertise with photography. Right. Uh, and I enrolled on a BA in photography, where I came across the, the, the concept, if you like, of visual storytelling. Yeah. I thought this is ideal for the voluntary sector, for charity sector, for fundraisers, um, as it's all about how they tell their, their stories about their beneficiaries, about the need for their work, about sure. the difference that they make to drive engagement and so on. Um, so working together with Howard, we've come up with a course, uh, we've entitled it Picture the Difference, and it will be running for the first time on the 10th of October in Godalming, and tickets are available on Eventbrite, uh, just Google Eventbrite and Picture the Difference, um, and it's with myself and, and Howard Lake. So we, although I come myself from a kind of photography background, if you like, um, the course is much more wide, much wider than that, covering all kinds of image making, from photography, uh, which includes taking your own photographs, using selfies, and getting your supporters to take selfies to illustrate their involvement in your cause, how to find and use stock pho uh, photographs, your creative commons, etc. We'll be looking at animation, we'll be looking at how to create GIFs, how to create memes, captioning um, images. We'll be doing a little bit about video, how to, to make sort of short, very short um, uh, videos, infographics, which we're quite a big growth area in how to present uh, statistical or uh, okay. numerical information yeah. in graphic so is, form. Is that, is that, and that would be a, so kind of percentages and Yes, but in a, a visually accessible way, okay. <laughs> if you like. Um, we'll also be covering things like cartoons, using drawings, collages, all kinds of visual media, uh, essentially, yeah. we'll, we'll be covering on this, this one-day course. So my own role in that will be to be covering photography skills, so how to take a decent picture with your smartphone, because it's all very well um, you know, wanting 
professional photography, yeah. but that's very, very expensive. And there's sure. this idea that smartphones don't really cut the mustard. Right. Um, but that's usually because people don't really know how those cameras work and how to use them to, to better effect. Okay. So we'll be doing how to take better photographs. We'll also be covering photo editing, which is one of the most expensive elements of photography. Uh, so any photographer's life is divided into two halves, the taking of the picture and then the editing. And I know from speaking to a charity recently, a celebrity volunteered their time to be photographed and that was completely free but uh, they spent thousands actually having those photographs edited so that they can use them so the course will cover how to edit your own photographs using a smartphone or a tablet using free apps uh, that can transform the quality of your pictures That's amazing. and also things like how you can then capture them how you can put writing over the top of yeah. them etc to tell a story and then we'll be covering other apps around creating other types of images. So I mentioned things like cartoons, so how to turn a photograph into a cartoon, for instance. Oh, cool. Um, how to turn it into a GIF, how to, you know, as I say, caption and, and so on. Yeah. And then finally, there'll be a bit about, about how and where to post on social media. So, um, you know, use, using appropriate uh, images and, you know, the, the best kind of social media. Uh, Are you talking about things like Instagram and Instagram, Facebook? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Twitter yeah. Pinterest. We'll also cover a little bit of uh, video, so making your own videos. And in okay. fact, I found a statistic uh, in, in doing my research from Cisco. It's estimated that by 2020, 70% of mobile data traffic will be video. Wow. which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, but there's more than one way of making a video. I mean, one of the things that I'm involved with is making slideshows uh, and okay. animating those slideshows. So yeah. there is, yes, there's the making of a video, but there are other ways of putting video material together um, in other ways using still photography as well. And do you think this course will be, um, well hopefully, I mean, it sounds like it's going to be interesting to a lot of different people, but would it be smaller charities that maybe can't afford to have somebody with specialist software or specialist photographer in-house? I would say sm yeah, small and medium-sized charities, okay. but larger ones as well because one of my, well, it's become my catchphrase that the, you know it's all very well having a, a smart flashy camera, mm. um, but they're usually very expensive and very heavy and, and nine times out of ten you don't have it with you when you need it. Sure. So the great thing about smartphone photography is it's the camera that you always have with you. Absolutely. And so if you're um, at an event or, or you're wanting to film or photograph uh, your beneficiaries benefiting from, from the work that you do, yeah. um, you know, it's capturing those kind of odd moments um, during an event. Yeah. You can use a smartphone. And the other thing, great thing about it is it's so unobtrusive uh, mm. um, and people don't kind of freak out when they see, see somebody taking a picture with a smartphone because everybody's doing it. Yeah. Whereas if you stick a great big lens in somebody's face, they're going to change their behaviour. It's not going to be natural. So um, there are lots and lots of different advantages in using a smartphone as opposed to using a big flashy camera. A lot of the kind of the imagery and things might come from supporters in their yes. in their day-to-day -day lives. This has happened to one of the charities that I taught. They taught, then passed the information on to their beneficiaries so that they could, I mean, in this particular example, they could take photographs of their young children, toddlers, using a bicycle for the first time um, and produce good quality images. I mean, one of the things that we often do when we take a picture is we stand up and we look down on animals, children, where we don't get a good picture if you're looking down on your subject. So a simple tip, like, you know, you get down to the level of your subject makes for a far more powerful That's picture. a great tip. And that's, that's one very relevant to me because I'm quite a tall chap. So I'm towering above a lot of people. So yes. I'm, I'm probably the big culprit for taking right. pictures. But it comes, yeah, it's Stops what we actually hate, do, you know? isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I there use are that. lots and lots of little uh, tips like that on the course, yeah. hundreds of them, in fact. Yeah. So.
Yeah. And I think for me that that is a, a big thing about it. any course that I go on. It's these these little things, these little nuggets. Mm. They're the things that make it a great. Well, course. interestingly, I ask people that come on my courses to follow, start following me on Instagram. I follow them back, and I've seen a marked improvement okay. in the quality of their photos. I mean, so they can charity. take inspiration from your photographs, I suppose. To some degree, um, but they, they apply what I teach them um, right. in terms of you know positioning, how they frame the photograph in the first place, how they crop it, how they light the scene, you know, either on the you know there and then when they're taking the photo or post-production. Interestingly, I did a, uh, ran the course for an animal welfare organisation, and I went along thinking, well, they're going to want to take better pictures of animals. Actually, one of the key things they wanted was to take better pictures of their CEO when he was speaking at the UN about annual welfare um, without the heads of you know they were in the crowd but without the heads of all these other people and you know without being blinded by spotlights you know and quite simple techniques to to take a better picture of their CEO showing them as a professional organization so yeah. there are so many applications for good photography within a charity and it's it's a it's a theme it seems at the moment it's, it's this desire for more authenticity in how charities are communicating and and it sounds like this course is actually going to be helping to produce uh, authentic photographs and images of the actual cause. Absolutely. I mean, there is this idea that um, photographs never lie, um, which of course isn't true. You know, anybody that's even had a cursory familiarity with Photoshop will know that that's not true. But nevertheless, in the, the eyes of, of viewers uh, of an audience, um, photographs do tend to carry that idea of authenticity, rightly or wrongly, they, they do. And I think one of the other things about uh, uh, the use of photography is that you can enable the beneficiaries, you can empower the beneficiaries to tell their own stories. Um, and just so some of the most powerful images I've seen have been, you know, a picture of a beneficiary with just a quote, you know, in inverted commas, or, you know, superimposed on top of that image. Uh, and it just creates this kind of sense of realism um, that this is this person speaking. It's not the charity speaking, it's really the beneficiary who's doing the talking. Yeah. The nature of visual storytelling, it sounds like it's pretty important. And I guess, is, is that because of all of the, uh, we're exposed to so many images now. I'm, I've, I don't have my own Instagram account. Um, Full disclosure, that's something that people say these days, isn't it? But my wife does, and my wife actually put it on, on my phone so that I could keep uh, track of what my son's doing and things yes. like that. And then family photos are on there all the time. So it's a bigger part of my life, but I, I see yeah. that that's happening in the charity I work for and elsewhere. It's, it's a big thing. Absolutely. Instagram, Facebook, all these things. And images seem to be the, the kind of the key to that. Absolutely. And we are becoming, we have been for, for well, I would attempt to say, you know, the last couple of decades, a much more visual culture than ever before. I'm old enough to know that, or to remember, you know, when I used to travel to work on the train in my you know, late teens, 20s, yeah. people were sitting there with newspapers and books. Sure. You don't see that as much now. People are watching videos. Or they're or playing some kind of visual um, game, yeah. um, and if people are absorbing information in a visual way, uh, much much more. But having said that, it's not actually a new thing. We've been at the British Museum this afternoon looking at Greek vases, and you know those Greek vases are telling a story. You know all of, of the images, yeah, they're yeah. the Homer's Odyssey, and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, if you think of cave paintings, people, human beings have always communicated visually because it is so immediate. Yeah. Uh, we, we can assimilate um, uh, visual images much more readily than spoken or, or verbal information. 
So it's got that accessibility about it. And so I started researching some of this myself. Um, and interestingly, um, I, you know, and this is driven by, as you say, so by social media and by mobile technology. But if you look at f uh, Facebook, for example, photos get 53% more likes than just text okay. uh, posts. Yeah. They get 104% more comments and they get 84% more click-throughs. Yeah. You go onto Twi Twitter, um, posts with images get 18% more like, uh, more clicks, 89% more likes. So, you know, there's a there's a really quite profound difference there uh, uh, that's going on. And I think one of the reasons for that is that visual images are more emotive. And that's one of the things that a good story has to do, is engage your emotions. And just being able to see something has that potential in a way that words simply don't. And is, will your course help people to spot those possible images, do you think? Or, yes, yeah. absolutely. One of the first things that are uh, covered on the photography element of the course is what is it you're actually taking a picture of? And that leads very, very quickly to what is it you're trying to say? You know, before you take a picture, what do you want this picture to say? And I'm particularly interested in um, the use of images with captioning. Um, I've, I've come up with a new word, actually. I've just invented it this afternoon called anti-captioning, and I'll explain okay. what that is. Yeah. I was in Oxford a while uh, back uh, to deliver a training course, and I had to go up and stay overnight. And I was, um, I, I stayed in one of the very uh, posh colleges. You know, I can't remember the name, but it was, it was one of the big colleges. And it was sumptuous. I came down to breakfast, and there was this oak-lined dining room with candelabra wow. and yeah. you know every kind of food stuff under the sun. It was very, very uh, uh, elaborate. Uh, and so you know, I had my breakfast in this luxury. And I walked out of the, the college to go to the venue. And right outside, on the ground, was a sleeping bag. Um, and it had a newspaper thrown over it. And it just had um, the, the headline was misery on this sleeping bag. So um, I, I got with my phone, because I didn't have a camera with me. I yeah. with my phone. I took a picture of that. Um, and I, I, I edited it. And I worked on it. I printed it out. And I mounted it in a cardboard box. And it came first in a competition. Because I, and I, I think one of the reasons was I called it an Oxford morning. Now, this is what I mean by anti-captioning. You think it's juxtaposed there Absolutely. with people's perceptions. Yeah. Absolutely. And it makes you think. Because mm. you, know, you think of Oxford, you think of the dreamy spires, yeah, you think yeah, of yeah. wealth and privilege and education. And here was this, you know, this sleeping bag and this, this clearly misery. Mm. Um, and it, so it's that juxtaposition uh, that, that kind of made people think. And in researching this further, there was... Um, Another example, going right back to about the 1930s, um, it was a, a book about animal welfare and animal advocacy. Um, and there was a great photograph of a, a sweet young girl, I mean, she was about five years old, um, and she was leading a, a cow uh, to right. be milked. Uh, and the caption was, um, a carnivorous animal leading her prey. Oh, and again, to me, I'm going to call that anti-captioning. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, makes it, well, it, it, it forces the viewer to take a different perspective on what sure. it is that they're seeing. That's something I, I myself, it's a bit of a personal interest in mine, but I think charities can use this kind of thing to great effect to get people to rethink mm. the world around them and what's happening. It's very interesting, isn't it? I, it's, it's a complete sidestep, but I, uh, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of uh, film. And Mark Kermode, kind of film review, and he does a podcast, and uh, he, he talks about these films where they get the viewer to think because they don't give everything to the viewer. Yeah. And I wonder if, to an extent, some of these photos are the same, that you're not yes. spelling it out for the viewer, you're, you're kind of, you're 
um, nudging them or you're you're challenging them a little bit yes, to, to, to think about it and maybe that engagement is part of the absolutely the there, there are three stages in um, in storytelling one is setting so you know in telling an official story you need to set the scene yeah. in some way or another uh, the second is conflict or tension and the third is resolution so these are, are regarded as the key elements in effective yes. storytelling okay. and I think if we go back to for example to the Oxford morning we've got the setting you know Oxford um, and you know that, that conjures up a certain kind of image but then of course you've got the conflict the tension between what we expect Oxford to be like and the reality of homelessness uh, and so it fulfills in a way or it can be made to fulfill with the right captioning uh, that kind of uh, that, those two key elements of storytelling and we can see how that could be taken further in terms of resolution with a, another picture or image that basically is saying is moving the viewer to action help support these people, you know, right. make a donation or or write to you at Whippy or whatever it is. You can see how that could be the next stage in the story. Are there any charities or individuals that you're aware of that are doing a good job? Obviously, you are because you keep winning these competitions. But um, you know, kind of, who can um, who can people look at as kind of? Okay. Well, I mean, again, I found a, a couple of videos uh, made by charities that I thought well, were, were very good. Let's start with the, the still images, though, first of all. Um, and in fact, the one that is probably the most powerful, although it's not um, uh, a, a, an image from a charity, but it has been certainly used to spark a campaign, which was uh, an image last year that I saw when I went to see the Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition at the uh, Natural History Museum. Um, and one of the photographs there, one of the, the winning photographs, um, was of a little seahorse gripping um, a cotton bud, you know, the plastic. Oh, uh, wow, thing. Okay. And that image has been used over and over and over. And, I, and to my mind, that really spiked. It was so shocking. It was mm. so horrendous that in this mm. pristine oceanic environment, yeah. this beautiful creature, and there it was gripping a, a used cotton bud. And that, I think, has sparked a lot of. You know, I've seen it reappear in various mm. kind of campaigns around our use of single use plastics and, and yeah. so on and so forth. Um, so that wasn't taken by a charity, but I can see how that can be applied to make. It's exactly that, you know, making people think it's that tension, it's that juxtaposition mm. again the natural world versus the plastic world. And yeah. that's what creates the story. Um, within that image. Um, but some other great images I've seen, the Humane Society of the US have a, um, a great picture of a little dog that had lost its back legs uh, and has wheels fitted uh, oh, yeah. instead of back yeah. legs. And it's just, it's not exactly a cutesy image, but you know, it, it, did, it does kind of make you go, oh, yeah. you know, how lovely uh, a bit. And it's, it's quite engaging. What's going on there? You know, you have a double take, you know, has the dog got legs or not? And, you know, it's, it's a very nice image. So that, that was a nice photo. Um, and then the other one, I would say, is a, uh, an image from Save the Children, um, where they've got, so the headline is, picture a small child. Uh, well, it's a picture of a small child being, being hugged. And there are three words to describe the child. Migrant, refugee, child. And migrant and refugee have both been crossed out. And it's focusing on, you know, whatever else, whatever else the story is around this child. This is a child, this is a human being. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was a really good example as well. Mm. I think into, if we turn to video, my favourite, um, which actually had me in tears, I watched it again yesterday, um, was made by Age UK, uh, and it's called Just Another Day. I would absolutely recommend everybody to watch it. It's on YouTube, and it's part of their campaign, No One Should Have No One. Um, and it features an elderly gentleman, um, his life through the seasons, which are identical, in which nobody speaks to him. 
nobody ever leaves a message on his aunt's phone, nobody speaks to him at the supermarket, he sees his neighbours, their children having fun, nobody speaks to him. It, it is a real tearjerker, um, very, very moving indeed. So I think these are, are, are some great examples. Macmillan as well have a, a series of films called Life with Cancer is Still Life, where they have got ordinary people with cancer um, and they're just very, very short, I mean literally seconds long, um, of people with cancer leading an ordinary life, doing ordinary things. And I think the great thing about that is that we are all ordinary people, we, that could be me, you know, we can all relate to these people, they're of different ages, of different genders, of different backgrounds, we can all relate to those people um, and of course relatability is one of the great and most powerful things about visual storytelling you're showing somebody and you're making the viewer think that could be me I could understand how that could be me or that could be my child I remember talking about uh, Save the Children this post campaign they did where they had lots of uh, thumbs up around the photos of devastating uh, scenes of you know yes, families yes. and children and it was talking about, I think that was more around social media actually I mm -hmm. think that was kind of saying a like's not enough you need to give That's us money right. yes. <laughs> yes. So, um, but uh, you know these things and, and as you say emotional you know, very emotive because they stay with you don't they you kind of think about absolutely. things you've seen and, absolutely yeah. and not, not only that I mean there's um, when you say people just like you know there is a, there is a um, there's a word for it I can't remember what it is but you know it's not enough to like an image you've got to do something you know, mm. which is why it's very important in, in your campaign to think about well when people see this picture what do we want them to do yeah. you know we don't just want them to like it we want them to you know donate or write to their MP or do do whatever we want them to do um, and that's an important consideration when you're taking those images but they can be inspirational if you take for example the no makeup selfie you know yeah. moving back to photography and, and the concept of a selfie absolutely you know people saw their friends doing it oh I can do that I'll yeah. do it as well oh yeah. I'll do that and it just went viral yeah, and it was yeah, everybody yeah. doing the same thing because they saw their friends doing it same with the ice bucket challenge you know taking photographs of themselves doing things and so you know that's a great way of kind of building uh, and sharing that message and, and so that it builds itself you know when it when it becomes viral so they're also two very very good examples of how selfies can be used in 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 charities but interestingly in both those cases i don't think it was a, it wasn't the charity that built that campaign it, it built from the ground up. absolutely yeah so yeah which makes it quite democratic really doesn't it and is there a kind of a um I was going to use the term arms race, but um, probably isn't the right term. But is there a is there actually a pressure on charities to keep up with the times? Because if people are using photos increasingly yes. on their own Instagram and Facebook and things like that that actually it's not enough just to say it might be something we try, it's something that they should be doing. Absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. I came across a charity the other day um, who said that they had a grant from the big lottery fund, I can't remember which pot of money it was but it was a big lottery fund, and they want, they, they actually requested that the charity send them photographs mm. of, the, of the work that they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So clearly, you know, it's not just um, you know, us, us trying to create images for consumption by ordinary individuals. Mm. Trust funders are now beginning to ask for, for the information in visual format as well. So it's it's really an essential thing to to be doing. And it's really not difficult, you know, with a smartphone. It's it's people are, are amazed at how you know there are lots of wow moments on the course when people realise that they can, for example, just put writing on top of a photograph. Yeah. Uh, right across it really is a kind of a wow moment or how you prop a picture, you know, the things you can do once you've actually taken it to make it a really powerful image. Very, very easy. And all of the tools and, and software that we talk about are completely free on the course. So you go away you know, with these additional tools at no additional cost. Fantastic.
So I think there have been a lot of takeaways for the listeners uh, in terms of things they can think about, things they can do. They can follow you on Instagram, you Absolutely, said. Absolutely, at Cathy Roddy, yes. Fantastic. Yes, yes. And, and of course Howard Lake as well. Howard Lake yes. too. And also there's the course as well. Absolutely, yes. Coming up. Yes, yeah. Picture already, the difference. Picture the difference. Cool. And when and people it's can find te- that online. Yes, it's, it's the tickets are on sale via Eventbrite. So if you Google Picture the Difference Eventbrite, you get on, straight onto the page. And it's running on the 10th of October um, in uh, Godalming on, uh, on this occasion. It's myself and Howard will be running that. And people, we have listeners around the world, can you believe right. it? So are there any, anyone that's not in the UK, can they, they can obviously find you on Instagram. Yes, and, yes. Uh, and and yes. Seek, seek out yes. more from you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, Kathy Roddy, thank you for contributing again to Charity Chat. My pleasure. It's been a great, great chat. So there you go, dear listener. Big thank you there to Kathy Roddy for contributing again to Charity Chat. Kathy made some very interesting points, including how smartphone photography is often less intrusive and that perhaps the subject of the photo won't change their behaviour you're using a smartphone rather than a, uh, a large camera. Uh, Kathy also talked about the three tenets of a good photo, setting, conflict, tension and resolution, uh, moving the viewer to action in the case of uh, charity advertising and marketing. I personally like the idea of forcing and provoking the viewer to take a different perspective and rethink the world around them. I can think of a handful of experiences of this Uh, personally, and uh, being very moved by a great photo that's uh, made me really think about the world in a different way. Um, Kathy and I alluded to, uh, I think it was the virtual conspicuous behaviour characterised by liking posts but not necessarily supporting a charity in any other way and the dangers of that. Uh, It was an interesting point that Kathy raised about some, some funders now asking for all uh, applications or projects to include photos, so funders like the Big Lottery, for example. Uh, we talk about Kathy's new course uh, a lot, and uh, it sounds like a very interesting course. So hopefully we'll catch up with Kathy or Howard Lake um, once the course has happened and see how that went. Uh, you can find the link to uh, the course information on our website charitychat.org.uk. Um, please do let us know how this podcast has worked out for you and uh, let us know what your uh, your thoughts were and how your photography is coming along for your cause. A big thank you to you for listening, our dear listener. We wouldn't do this without you and it's really gratifying to hear your feedback. So please do keep in touch with us and get in touch through our website. Um, a big thank you to our sponsors as well, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit for the beautiful website design, Check out the website, charitychat.org.uk. RR Yard Photography for the lovely pro bono images on our website. And, of course, Forest of Fools, who've been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. That's it from us. Thanks ever so much for listening. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye.